Thank God it's Free Range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now. UMFM. This is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Alves and kicking things off for us tonight. That's Baby Lala from Montreal's Omoyela and his album Not All Monsters Do Monstrous Things. Really a hype R&B hip-hop record. And uh, we're going to keep it on the R&B and hip-hop tip for the next little bit here. I'm going to be talking to Canadian artist Afros. We played the single Yeah Yeah uh, last week. But uh, this week we get to talk to her about it. Uh, but before that, out of Minneapolis, this is an artist named Mike that I just discovered a little while ago. Uh, the single You Got Me came out uh, late June, 
going to play that. He's got a more recent single called Forbidden Fruit, also pretty great. Uh, it's spelled M-M-Y-Y-K-K if you're looking for him on the internet. You can, of course, check out the show logs here on umfm.com, but keep it locked on 101.5 UMFM. Right, well, we've played both of the singles from her uh, seven inch Afros is Good Love and Yeah, Yeah, the A side and B side. The most recent is the B side, Yeah, Yeah. And she joins us to talk about that and more. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, you got on my radar because uh, label mate Claire Davis uh, 
is has been singing your praises on her social media. You guys sing in a, in a variety of formats and and for a variety of people, uh, and and do a lot of background vocals for for other performers. Is that how you got your start? Like, or did you start as you know a foreground performer? Um. Yeah. Like, I mean, I got my start doing a variety of different things as, as a singer. And that's kind of how I met Claire. Actually, our, our, uh, our origin friendship story dates way back, but um, we do a lot of work together as background singers and session singers. Um, and I've done a lot of, you know, front singer jobs, such as like, you know, lead singers for like corporate events and weddings and that kind of thing. So that's kind of how I dipped my toes into the waters, so to speak. Did you did you go to school for music at all, or did you just start singing as you know, some, an, like a joy, something that you enjoyed doing? <laughs> like a little bit of both. Right. I mean, I did go to school. Um, I went to Humber Humber College, and I I took their four year program there. Um, so that's what I have in terms of like a formal music degree but um I also grew up taking piano lessons and singing lessons outside of school and that's really how I really just like developed that love for music and singing and composition and things like that was the piano like conservatory yes it was so it was like RCM based so like all of the the books I would go through our RCM it was a it was a school called New Conservatory of Music mm. I don't know if it had any affiliation with the RCM to be completely honest but this school it it's no longer a school but uh it has it has launched a, or I met a lot of musicians and artists there like growing up that are now doing big things like um Havaya Mighty went there mm. uh yeah uh Sierra um who else Tafari Anthony so I actually like was in the same uh we had the same vocal teacher Tafari and I and um so it's really cool to see these peers of mine doing incredible things in the Canadian music scene. And to know it's this, it's the school that I met a lot of these, these folks at, uh, the school in Scarborough. Yeah. I mean, the conservatory is obviously classical focused, right? Like the <laughs> RCM stuff. And so I'm curious about, you know, like whether that background ever suggests the kind of music you end up making uh, and at what point, you know, you, you, veer off of that path right because a lot and I mean Humber I guess is a a less kind of classical oriented college exactly. right like it's not like a school of music you know where it's like jazz or classical and you choose a stream and you you stick with it uh, like at what point do you decide like this isn't the sound that works for me or the the, the like kind of music I want to make and exactly so with you know you bring up a very good point because with the conservatory stuff I did do the RCM exams, like for piano. I was terrible at piano, by the way, like terrible piano student. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did the piano exams. I did the vocal exams. And I think at the same time, I was 
attending a high school that was by no means an art school, but had a really great music program and teachers that really cared about their students. And I remember one of my, my high school teachers, Dave Cotterell, he told me about Humber because I was trying to like decide what I wanted to do going out of high school and the options that were available were, you know, you either go into a jazz stream or a classical stream. I didn't really see myself pursuing classical. Like I never considered myself like a classical musician. I wasn't um, <laughs> disciplined enough, I, I should say. But also I was inspired by other kinds of music. So like R&B, I grew up listening to tons of R&B and soul in my household. Um, so my my high school teacher told me about Humber and I applied to Humber and to York um, and got into Humber, got into both. But uh, Humber seemed a little bit more appealing because of that. There was that jazz focus, but they were also launching that year their new contemporary music degree. So before that, you know, it was very, very jazz focused. So this degree, I was like the first cohort to go through this new degree at Humber. And so it incorporated a lot more popular styles of music. So it seemed very appealing. And, and that's kind of where I chose to go. And I have no regrets. I mean, I'm, I met most of the peers that I, I work with today, I met a lot of them at Humber in that program. Right. You mentioned uh, listening to soul and R&B in your home. Was that your choice, your parents' choice, a little both? It was definitely my parents because like from when I was little, like so a little backstory, my dad used to own a record store in downtown Toronto in the 70s. Mm. Are you familiar with Toronto? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, like I've gone to Toronto a few times and I, I watched, you know, uh, the drop the needle, the doc about. Oh, cool. Played a record. So. Okay. Okay. So, you know, you remember where Honest Ed's? Yep. So, yeah, like my dad's record shop was off of Lenox Street. So, like, right kind of there, like where Honest Ed's is. And um, he was, he like had tons of records. Like, I just remember, I mean, he did the, the store, the shop didn't last for very long. It was before I was born, but. Um, he, he accumulated this like vast record collection. And, and so he would play Aretha, a lot of Aretha growing up, a lot of Stevie Wonder, a lot of Jackson 5. And I just remember really loving the sound of that music. So that's kind of how I got into soul music. It was through them. But they were also, both of my, my parents were also fans of uh, country music as well. Mm. So I started listening to a lot of, um, that wasn't by choice. Like I remember my friends making fun of me when I was just like, oh yeah, I listen to country music. And they're like, what? <laughs> but I was listening to like Reba McIntyre and I loved her back in the day. Um, and just like Patsy Cline, you know, I listened to a lot of her growing up as well. Um, so it was a very eclectic bag, a uh, mixed bag of music. And I think it really, those formative years of just like being surrounded by that, just like all kinds of music really shaped 
who I am today as a musician. I didn't know it back then. I wasn't intentional, intentionally seeking out this music. It's almost like it found me in a way. The like Reba and Patsy, like, did they do you feel like they had an impact on your either performance style or your voice now? Like, do you find that there's elements of that, that country singing and not just, you know, I mean, an Aretha is like a obvious, like, if you're into R&B and you're a vocalist, you, I mean, even if you're not into R&B, you got to love Aretha. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, in, a, in a, a small way, I would say, though, like the country kind of aspect has informed some of my songwriting. So, you know, like, in country music, like the song form is so and in folk and stuff like that. But like country, like the song form is so important. And like, I just remember thinking like, wow, these are such like powerful songs. They're so well crafted. Um, so in a way, it's like informed my writing style, maybe not so much my singing style, although Reba has like a crazy powerful voice. So I've always been a lover of big voices, no matter the genre. So like the Reba McIntyre, uh, the, um, I used to really love, uh, like I loved Shania Twain too growing up. There was another uh, singer that came to mind just now and then it just left me, but I hope like that kind of sheds a little bit of light. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of, you know, doing the, the backing vocals and then, you know, doing the, you know, your own work do you is it is it is there a translation between the two like do you use some of the same skills or do you have to kind of like do something vastly different for one or the other no you know doing and loving background like doing background work and just really loving it i find that i go like a little overboard with the backgrounds and my own stuff and i just i love to layer and layer and layer and just create like this like Big, like big background vocal sound so I think it really like plays into how I write or how I choose to arrange my songs but then again like when it comes to the lead vocal performance I do have to switch gears a little bit because background singing is not the same as lead singing and you kind of do use like different muscles and like different resonances and things like that so um I didn't, I, to be completely honest with you, like I, I didn't love recording, um, for a while, just like the, the art of recording was just so, it's so daunting to me. And the first album I put out was kind of just like an experiment of how to sing on a recording and like there's still you know I listen back to it and there are parts where I like kind of wince and but it was such a <clears throat> a learning experience for me and I I actually tracked all the vocals myself on that on that album not the the current one um and just learned how to like use logic and comp my vocals and arrange background parts and all that kind of thing um so I think for me, for, for me to really like dig into something, I have to just like understand it. And so this new record is kind of like, I feel like I understand the art of recording a little bit better. I do consider myself more of a live performer, a live singer. I love, I love performing live um, and recording. I've grown to love it. 
Is the the love of the live because of the feedback? Like you can see how an audience is responding? Yeah. And it's a little more forgiving because it's a, a moment that you're creating in time. Whereas you are doing the same thing with recording. You're creating a moment in time. But like if you're like flat on notes or whatever, it's there. I mean, I know you can fix it and post and all that stuff, but it seems more of a daunting task to get it right. So sometimes it can like, you can be so freaked out by nailing it that you're, it's it's harder to tap into the feeling or the essence of what you're trying to convey in your song. Whereas I find live, like you can really like zero in on what you wanna say. You can feed off the energy of the crowd. Um, and I just, I love that aspect. Right. It sounds like when you were talking about, you know, the, the making that first record that like what you heard in your head, you hadn't hit the point where you could achieve that, like in the technical skills. Yeah, a little bit. Like, it's just like what I thought it would sound like was a little bit different than what it was. And I, I still like have a lot of fondness and, and when I listen back to that album and, you know, I've learned to have a little bit more grace with myself because I'm just like, it's not going to be perfect. Like you were in a completely different headspace. You were tracking things by yourself. Like you were learning. Um, but I think it did like help me form how I'm going to approach the next record, which is the one that's going to be coming out. Yeah. Not to suggest that you weren't happy with that record, but just that like maybe you had like a more grandiose vision of like what it could be that you know bumped up against like learning how to use the studio and how to use the absolutely equipment. absolutely that so uh with this the new you know record that's coming out obviously we've got a couple singles so, so far like is there like a thematic kind of like gist to the record or like is it just a collection of these are the most recent songs and the ones i'm most happy with putting on record like what's the the idea behind it so it is a bit of a concept album in, in that I pay homage to my late grandmother. Her name was Rose. And the name of the album is titled Roses. And there's a single titled Roses as well. So throughout the album, it's kind of like a, a tribute to her and her spirit and her her essence and and to those that came before me and to my daughter who I had in 2020 and it's kind of got this like vibe of of family in it and love and lost and loss and and remembering and throughout the album I took sound bites from old home videos that my dad recorded throughout our whole life on his like little Sony Handycam. And I isolated um, the audio and we worked it into, you know, the intros and into some interludes and, and of like, it's like my grandma, like praying. And so there's a little bit of that, like, um, there's a bit of like a spiritual vibe in that I, I wanted it to include my family in a way that is tangible it, it's it's now there it's like it exists and and it's just a tribute to their their memory and and their sacrifices 
Um, so that's, that's, you know, that's kind of like the concept behind the album. Is your performance name taken from your grandmother? It's my mother's name. Yeah. So, so like Rose my Rose and then Afros. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then my aunt, her name is Feroza. So like, there's like a lot of this like Rose. Mm. Um, so like, I, I just come from a, a lineage of like very, very strong, powerful women on my mom's side. And, and I just, I wanted to pay tribute to them and their, their strength and their memory. And then also, you know, showcase how my life has changed since I've become a mom. And the the last song on the album is the acronym of my daughter's name. And, and um, it's just like a tribute to her. So it starts with roses and it ends with, I'm giving this away a little, little juicy tidbit, but it starts with roses, which is dedicated to my grandmother. It ends with um, zag, which is dedicated to my daughter. And so it's a little bit of bookending the past and the present and the future and that kind of thing. Did your grandmother pass before your daughter was born? Yeah, she passed in uh, 2018 and we were very, very close. So it was a hard loss. And then you started, sorry, so you had your daughter in 2020. This record obviously is as much a pandemic project as your your child is. Um, yeah. <laughs> in terms of like writing through that period and then like writing a tribute to your daughter, like was, was one or the other like the tribute to your grandmother or the tribute to your daughter harder to write? Like, is there kind of like more psychological complexity to grief or to like the hope and what you have for your, your child? Oh man, that's a great question. So I'll answer it in two parts. So the tribute or the song dedicated to my grandmother, um, when my grandmother died in 2018, I found it so hard to like, I mean, I, obviously like process the grief, but I found it hard to create anything like in her memory or tribute to her memory, her memory. And I didn't write about her at all in that time. Like, and so in, um, 2021, I believe is when I penned roses. Um, it just kind of like flowed and came to me and I felt like I was like ready to <laughs> process and write about my love for her and thank her, you know, in this song for everything she had done to give me the life I have today, you know, um, through her strength and courage. And she has a pretty crazy backstory. Um, and with my daughter, that song, I obviously wrote it in, in 2020 and I was in like crazy, like postpartum, haze <laughs> I don't even know how to describe that period but I just remember feeling this like overwhelming love but also like fear that I was gonna like screw it up somehow like and I just think that that's like something every parent um I was gonna say I, I, my oldest is 14 that has not gone away oh my gosh that, you that, have a that 14 year old that, that feeling does not go away Oh my gosh. Okay. That's, that's what, so you're a parent as well. So yeah, it's, it, and I just, I just remember, you know, penning uh zag and, and I was just in a different headspace altogether with that song. So um, I don't think one was harder or more challenging than the other. I just think 
with roses, I felt like it was like catharsis. Like it was a good way for me to um, just kind of like process that grief in a way that I know best. And that's through writing through, you know, I was right of like experiences and things I'm feeling, but with that grief um, of losing my grandmother, I found it so hard for so many years to like really tap into it. So I finally got it out and I was just like, okay, <laughs> it's done. <laughs> it's out. Whew. I can breathe. Yeah. Speaking of being out, uh, when, when is the actual record? I know we've obviously got the singles so far, but do you have an ETA on? Yeah, it's going to be in early October. Yeah. Right on. Uh, and that'll be on LRK too? Yes. Yeah. Yes. How did, how did you land on that label? Because it's a, it's a UK label. And yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting because like yourself and Claire and then I think one other Toronto artist is also on LRK. Gary. Uh, Gary Beals. Yeah. And the crazy thing is that we're all the three of us, like we're really good friends. Um, we sing a lot together. LRK, I mean, the the connection for me is through Claire. Um, but I think with Claire, like it was just like a random DM that she got from them. And they just really dug what she was doing and um wanted to to press a 45 of like uh her existing like her first ep they wanted to press a 45 and and that's how that connection was formed and they are so supportive like the person that runs the label it's a very small indie label um but the person that runs that label his name is liam and he is just so dedicated and supportive of independent artists and and just loves music and is kind of goes beyond above and beyond what I think most labels do for their artists I like he just cares a lot and and so Claire was kind of the connector for for me and she kind of sent um sent them my album my SoundCloud and and they dug it and they were like hey if you we'd love to do a 45 deal and and the album as well, if if you're into that. And um, so that's how that happened. Cool. Well, before we yeah. go, uh, we're going to play Yeah Yeah since it's the most recent single. But if you can tell us an anecdote about the song or like some sort of uh, tidbit for folks. <laughs> yeah Yeah was honestly created from the ground up with my production team, Safe Spaceship Music. And we just kind of like started jamming on like, you know, Chino laid down the drum beat and then Ben laid down the keys, Scott laid down the bass. And it just, to me, sounded like something that was like, yes, from the disco era of the 70s, but it also had this like house feel to it. This like 90s house feel to it. So I just wanted to like, and the name Yaya, like it's so silly, but um. It started with me just like, like riffing over the intro before I even wrote the words to it. And I was just going, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like I was just doing that into a mic. And um, and then we just called it yeah, yeah. And then I never changed the name after the fact. So, so a bit <laughs> of a, a recording goof or, a, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. <laughs> well, we'll give that one a listen. Uh, what's the best place to keep tabs on you right now on social media? Yeah, on social media, Instagram. 
you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I try and post everywhere. It's hard to keep track, but Instagram, I feel like is my, I'm most active on there. Sure enough. Uh, well, we'll give Yaya a listen. Afros, thanks very much for taking some time and uh, looking forward to hearing the rest of the record. Thank you so much, Michael. Take care.
Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. You just heard In the Wake from the new EP Going Nowhere from local act The Prairie Joggers. Uh, new project from some longtime Winnipeg musicians. Uh, got a new project from Tofu Smell. This is the artist Ray Chen. Their EP Humor uh, came out on Hardly Art. Going to keep it on the folk tip because this is a song called Younger. And then uh, speaking of folk, coming up, Ziggy Alberts, Australian folk artist who will be coming to the Park Theatre. Got an interview with Ziggy and then his choice of a musical selection. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM. Sleep at the gate It is easy For me to nod or drift Knowing I will be back soon I can see the front room 
Or the kitchen Where we stand most recent record is Dancing in the Dark, bringing those songs and more to the Park Theatre August 5th. Australia's Ziggy Alberts joins me on the show. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Good to be back. I'm uh, happy to talk to you. Uh, As you mentioned uh, off air, no stranger to Winnipeg, played the Folk Fest and and have spent a bit of time here on on tour. Um, In terms of the, like, playing a set now, like, are you focused on this new record or are you, you know, dipping back into the the older stuff as well like what do you feel like do you feel compelled to like break out some fan favorites from from past records yeah it's a really that's a really nice question at this point i have not actually been playing the record in full on this rewind world tour um i guess alluding to the name i've definitely been uh because it's been four years since the last time i was out and i did two albums that did searching for freedom and dancing in the dark so it's been a real juggle to um you know i be at this point with i think five or six records in like a lot for um a lot for my like for my age at 29 mm-hmm. and i guess i'm like trying i'd really tr- i'm trying to give a quite a good breadth over you know my oldest work which people still request through to the newer stuff um it gives the show a lot of um it gives the acoustic show a lot of like um i guess dynamic which is good opposed to playing through um, a whole record, but it's, man, forever the juggle. And I don't know what artists do who are like, you know, 10 albums in in their career. I don't know what the heck they, you know, how, to how build, they contend with choice. How to build a set when you've got that many songs. Well, I mean, five albums in at 29, that's that's a very brisk pace too. So it's no, uh, it's not like you're not like likely to get to like 10 records or something. So you're going to have to answer that question yourself in the future. But <laughs> yeah, let's see. <laughs> uh, as I understand, you you even have like another record kind of in in the books. Like, 
am I, if I read the interview right, you've recorded at Abbey Road, but that record yes. is not out yet? So that EP, so basically I recorded Abbey Road and that EP is actually, that came out in, when was it? Gosh, I've been, so I've been away from Oz for, for three and a half months so far. I did this South African and European leg of the tour. And now as we talked off air, just landed in LA. Um, so in, a postcard from London, from Abbey Road, that came out while I was on tour in the UK about six or eight weeks ago, I think. Gotcha. But what has come out now, or is coming out as we speak, is um, is a, a B-side album called Friends Edition, which is selected works from my newest album through to my oldest work of um, nine artists from nine, nine friends of mine who also happen to be incredible musicians who are doing nine versions of my songs. Um, and so we've had such an intense release schedule alongside the new album last year. We've also had B-side releases like um, a postcard from London, which was select songs from, again, the past and the most recent album on an EP. And now we have this nine-track album that's in the midst of being released right now. I think we're three singles in, and that's kind of uh, – I mean, the one that came out today, I think, actually was Searching for Freedom, and my Canadian friend um, Emily Brimlow did a cover of it, did her own version, using some of the stems from the original recording and then putting her own twist on it as well. An album of covers, how daunting is that for you as the artist who you know wrote the songs and sings the songs to like give them to someone else and let them see what they do? It's – Oh man, it's it's funny. I think because I'm so, it was so confident in the people that were doing it. Mm. I said like how much how much I admire them. It it perhaps would have been more daunting if it was strangers or an artist I wasn't familiar. But because I just love because these people who also I'm lucky to call friends because these people I just love their music so much. I think I was more excited. And then when I heard what they'd done, I was just kind of like you know, it was like quite emotional. It was just like, geez, I can't believe like how much I could, I could feel them in this song to feel that their story in my story as well. It was just like, yeah, it was just, it was more than daunting. It was just quite a, like a motive in like a really, you know, um, like really nice way. Were there any surprises? Like did someone come back with something that you're like, I hadn't considered the song going that way? Yes. I, artist called Harrison Storm, who is a um, Australian guy, but he's, you know, um, his main, I guess, listenership is actually North America. He did a version of a song um, I wrote from a, a previous album called Laps Around the Sun, and he did this song called Stronger. And it was like he, the, the way he took the original stems and then but still totally flipped the song. I mean, yeah, you listen to the two versions and it's just like he's kept it somehow in the same key but totally like I, I couldn't have imagined the song that way. So that one was the, that was what that was the biggest surprise for me was his version of a song called Stronger. That was like, and I was like, oh my goodness, I could. He 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 just totally he made like he made it into a Harrison song with the bedrocks of mine. That one was the big surprise for me. Mm-hmm. Now the the flurry of releases and and you know like you said five albums under under your belt. What's your songwriting process like that allows you to be this like prolific like? Are you the type of person, are you like a Stephen King who like sits down at 6 a.m. and starts like banging out songs for six hours and treats it like a desk job or like how do you write? So I haven't yet done the desk job style approach. I've read other artists doing it. Like I've read some people go like, right, so like 9, 9 a.m. I'm going in and mm-hmm. I'll have a lunch break when I come out. And I really, um, I really respect that sort of, uh, I respect that sort of work where I would maybe be, where I would maybe be that Clinical would be in the documentation. Like, you know, I do something called, I call it, everyone's got a different name, but I call it song banking. 
And so once I've written a song, I'll try and like get a demo version down, a rough video of how I play it. And then like, maybe there's a photo that I took that reminds me of the song. And perhaps there's like references to other songs that have inspired it, which I always try and write down. Because if you're not comfortable to reference songs that have jolted you, that maybe you feel there's similarities. If If you don't feel comfortable to say, hey, this song also is, I mean, I was listening to, I'm just trying to think of, Something from the recent record. Okay, I was listening to a song called um, Someone New by Banks and that got me inspired to write the song Rewind off the new record. And in that, this particular instance, the song, they don't sound, they don't, you, there's no, there's not even a melody reference, but I love documenting that tapestry and I would like to at some point get clinical um, from time to time and keep the, take time to do those notes and artwork ideas and perhaps music video ideas and I've got like, folders for each song and I like to organize them into different albums or like albums that I can perceive in the future. But as far as the songwriting process for me goes um, on, on the writing the actual songs, like it's so random. It's such a mystery to me. I had a song I just wrote while I was in France last week. And that was a song that just like just appeared. And I, you know, from start to finish, it was 24 hours. It was something that like came to me as an idea. And then by the next afternoon, I sat down, wrote the three verses and chorus and then recorded it and that was it. Like, And then some songs are like five years. Some songs don't appear. Some songs are like, there's a song called Together off um, Searching for Freedom. And I wrote like the melody and like the song technically ex- existed for, for like five years. And then the, the, then the chorus finally appeared at some point where I was like, oh, that's where it was. So it's an utter mystery to me. Yeah. With a song like that, where it takes five years, like, is it just kind of like you, you do document and then you put it away and then like your brain is ruminating on it and how to put that song to bed? Or like, are you actually working on it at some point over those five years? Usually it's more rumination. Mm. It's like a rumination and it's usually some life event in this particular instance of a song called Together. Um, there was these really crazy fires that happened in Australia a couple summers ago, now mm-hmm. probably four or five summers ago. And that was what jolted and I wouldn't have, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know the three or four years prior to that. I didn't know that the song would be about that, you know? Right. But then this event happened and it was just, again, it's a, it's literally a mystery to me, which I quite like because it's like, it's nice that there's a very clinical aspect to songwriting. That's very, once I've got the idea and I'm just funny, I'm looking over here cause I got my, um, my little like did for people who listen to this little like a uh, notepad called a remarkable, that I've used forever. Um, instead of a for, instead of a journal, I just swapped it out for a journal and have never looked back. Like I, once I've got the theme of the song and the rough bones of it instrumentally, then I can be quite clinical. Then it's like, what what message are you trying to? What's the overall message of the song? And then I love to try and I guess explore the polarity of that message and as and as you know in quite a breadth as possible then it gets quite technical or gets quite clinical um in how i will try and structure lyrics because the instrumental parts me i only play by ear i don't know i don't know anything professionally regarding um instrumentation right i want to go back to the the archiving process that you were talking about right like you know where if you have a part a part of a song or something and you kind of like put it away but you say like this is when it was written, maybe some ideas for a video and stuff. It raises two questions. One is like, do you picture songs? Like, do you have like a, a visual in mind when you're writing a song? And then that like lends itself to like, this is what the idea for, for a video or like, you know, 
the album cover or the song cover would be. Um, and the second question, totally separate, is, you know, you're talking about the bank song. Do you think about where your songs fit in terms of, like, if you were making a mixtape, like, my song would be in conversation with these songs? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so answer the first question is, hmm, yeah, I, I, I feel like for me songs, yeah, they, they can be super visual. I, like I look at songs as like little entities into themselves. They're almost like this, they're a whole little corner of the world. And usually when I write a song, I will have a very visual idea, whether it's artwork or, um, or a music video around it, or perhaps it's moments, you know, usually be like, usually be a moment for me. And so, you know, one song comes to mind in particular where there was a film photo I took and it was a bridge over a highway somewhere between I don't know, Spain and Italy years ago. And that film photo I saved alongside a song that I wrote later on because like I have a direct memory jog and reference to the location that where the first idea for the song sprung out. Mm. The song that I just wrote in France, like I'll definitely be taking my next film film camera role that I get developed, and I like the I know exactly the place where the, the the idea for the song first arrived, and that's where it's a very visual thing for sure, because uh, I love I love taking photo I love taking film photos. That's like my my little side project, my personal passion project. That a lot of film photos have ended up with as covers of different records, which has been like a subtle but really nice kind of creative thing. So yeah, songs definitely are very visual. And regarding the mixtape of songs and with the reference like Banks, absolutely. And I actually haven't done it yet. I don't know why. It's just because it's been so busy. I haven't done it yet for uh, the new album, Dancing in the Dark. But I love doing playlists on like on, on Spotify. I did a playlist for Searching for Freedom called Songs That, songs that Inspired Searching for Freedom. And I actually put those songs. And I think it would be a really fun thing to not only intertwine those songs in there i haven't done this but it's maybe an idea from this conversation either slipping the songs in there and letting people put the tapestry together of oh i can hear like i said if you can't put us if you can't put the song that's inspired you side by side with yours like if you're not comfortable then it's too like then you then you you haven't you've stolen something you know opposed to being inspired right and so i think that kind of transparency is important in songwriting um it would be fun to put together a mixtape. I have done mixtapes of the songs that inspired work, but not intertwining my own. So maybe at some point I should do that just for fun. I mean, certainly easy enough to do on a, on a playlist to just kind of like weave them back and forth and kind of, you know, meander through the, the, the story of your album versus the story of like the songs that, that were working through you. I mean, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's actually a really lovely idea. That's a, something I might, uh, something I might do in downtime. Yeah, I just think it's I think it's important to Matt Corby, an Australian artist, said said something along the lines of he's like we always he's like I'm basically trying to recreate my favorite album in my own way. There's some album that's pivotal to me. Um, Every Kingdom by Ben Howard's a very pivotal album in my world. It changed my whole vision on songs of what was possible. And like in some ways, and like in his in Matt Corby's own words, he was like I'm trying to recreate my favorite album in my own way. And you're trying to basically recreate something that's a very pivotal album for you just in your own way. And I thought that was like a very honest and very like, yeah, just a very honest way to say it and very true. So then album to album for you, are you trying to recreate a different album each time? Or are you speaking to like one album that's emblematic for you that you're kind of constantly reiterating on? I think there is 
an appearing structure for me for albums. If I looked like in, if when I looked to the Every Kingdom um, album structurally about how it flowed, I was like, okay, okay, there was these upbeat songs and there was these you know slower moments, and then it picked up again here. Album, albums in some way seem to have an intrinsic structure, and I actually work a lot structurally with set lists now about how I'm building the set in the night. And like I hope, and if you can make it to the show that I do in Winnipeg, I'd love to, love for you to see it after this conversation and and be like, oh, like you, you now that I once I've said it, it will be like very obvious to you kind of thing. Um, but I love building the structure of a set on just like the cadence of how a whole set runs for me is like. I'm very pedantic and very almost like clinical about it. And so regarding an album, I don't know what, I don't know exactly. I've done so many shows lately that I've been able to get a very clear idea on what an album, uh, what a, sorry, what a set list looks like. But regarding an album, I want there to be a tying thread between my albums, something where someone could listen. I think the tying thread sonically is probably folk music as a genre is a tying thread for me between albums but like in this recent album i tried to bring in some like future folk elements like a little a step sideways where it's still got a folk foundation but there is like those heavily tuned backing vocals there was an 808 synth bass in there you know on lots of the songs and something that's not usually in folk and then the other side to this dancing in the dark record is that there was these like latin inspired elements some of it was rhythmic some of it was like you just hear for yourself like you know presence of nylon string guitars playing beautiful like playing beautiful melodies that my friend played and so i think the tying thread uh, i don't try and re i don't really want to recreate the albums i've done I, I but i want there to be a tying thread between them for sure well from the like macro question we're going to ask you one last micro question i want to get you to pick a song out of your discography that we can play for listeners and if you have a reason why you're picking it or an anecdote about it love to hear that for winnipeg I try to think of something from my from my memories that would tie that ties back to ties back to Winnipeg for me. Hmm. Gosh, I was such last time I was in Winnipeg was 2019 and it was maybe like September time. I think the last time I was there was for the folk festival. It might have even been gosh, was it one of my last shows I did in North America? Maybe before I went home. Um well for me Winnipeg goes back to like to folk music and if I pull a song from my discography of around that time, I'd say the theme of that time was a record called Laps Around the Sun, which in that kind of transition of 18, 19, I went from like still like small clubs through to touring the world, like touring Europe and North America in the same year and went home into these monster shows. It was this very big crescendo moment, unbeknownst obviously prior to the whole COVID thing. It was a crescendo kind of um, moment of, of seven plus years of, seven or eight years of hard hardcore touring and busking and being a fully grassroots indie artist and um which i'm very still very much in north america that's still where i am um and a song from that time that i think you know with with a nod towards the folk scene that's obviously you know prevalent in winnipeg there's a song called you off laps around the sun and it's the last i think it's one of the last tracks on the album and it's got this kind of like very almost teenage, I'd say, like, you know, like very like early 20s, my early 20s writing style with this great banjo rift in it. And it's something that I can imagine playing at like a songwriter's circle at Winnipeg, you know. Mm. And so there's a song called You, and it's on that, that record from that time. 
that's the one I would, that's the anecdote and the song I'd pick for fun. Perfect. Well, we'll give that one a listen. Uh, reminder to folks, August 5th at the Park Theatre, Ziggy Alberts. Uh, thanks for taking some time and safe travels on, on your tour. Thank you so much. I wasn't prepared and she caught me off guard. She's crazy, but all the good ones are. She was the letter I've been waiting to send. I thought that I'd find a metal so pretty end. And not to quote Padme, but look, I've been dying every day since you've been in my arms. And I understand earnestly that dying is the sweetest thing that I've been missing. Living without your love Oh baby you Oh baby you Oh baby you You keep me warm, keep me warm, keep me warm She's not a girl out pedestal She's a girl you sit next to her posture alone makes her strong She's certainly not heavenly or above anything She's been sold to the earth all along Achilles said in Troy, it's these guys that do envy How we feel change from summer to fall The way we create a good luck and taught each other How to fight with intention in the heat of it all Oh baby you Oh baby you Oh baby you You keep me warm, you keep me warm, you keep me warm The day if she dies, I want my tears from my eyes I'll let them flow down to my toes See the last thing she wants from me Is to hold on to anything After loving her I'll die happier alone And you Scamander would say Suffer dragons when you worry She is sleep To all the fatigue I've ever known And she's the proof that God's not a bogus How on earth or in hell could I This woman made my heart feel like a home Oh baby you Oh baby you Oh baby you You keep me warm, keep me warm, keep me warm Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. You just heard Ziggy Alberts pick You, a song for Coda from his album Laps Around the Sun. My thanks to Ziggy for taking some time on his busy tour that brings him to Winnipeg August 5th. Uh, going to play a couple new Canadian folk tunes, and then uh, we're going to shift gears a little bit as we head towards After 8 Radio and hand things over to Kai. Uh, I've got a new song from Danny Michelle 
off of his album Ghost Town. Uh, this one not recorded in the Arctic on a, a boat as in the past. Uh, I, I was I was re- reminiscing because when he played uh, Interstellar Rodeo, we did talk about uh, the album that he re- recorded, basically surrounded by icebergs. Uh, then we've got Khalila Badali with a new single called Potato from her Panacea EP. Uh, Toronto artist who uh, sent me the song earlier today. Then we've got uh, something from Jimmy Prasad Orchestra. This is a Tel Aviv artist who's on the same label, Raw Tapes, that brought you Buttering Trio, one of my favorites from a couple years ago. They're also uh, home to Karen Dunn, who's in Buttering Trio for her solo work. And uh, this album does feature Karen Dunn on one track, uh, but we're going to play you something else from it. Uh, we got some some fun stuff as we hand things over to Kai. We'll be back here next Friday uh, with the band Shred Kelly for sure and uh, some other stuff as well. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM. I don't want to sing no more I just wanna fade away Wash up on some shore Somewhere far away I drive into the sun Right into the sea Mermaids all For me, when it's all too much, it's too deep, you can't touch, and the clouds hide every star. I'll break this chain, I'll find a way in my way to where you are. You don't want to sing along You don't want to play the game It's all too much, it's too deep, you can't touch, and the clouds hide every star. I'll break this chain, I'll find a way, and my way to where you are.
that's all too much or not enough you'll be the sunlight on my scars I'll break this chain I'll find a way and my way to where you are
I feel I just made a mess 